for obedience to Jesus Christ and sprinkling by his blood. Grace and peace be yours in abundance. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil or fade, kept in heaven for you, who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come so that your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may be proved genuine and may result in praise, glory and honour when Jesus Christ is revealed. Though you have not seen him, you love him, and even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. For you are receiving the goal of your faith, the salvation of your souls. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Sean. Uh, we now also have uh, the opportunity to come together in a time of corporate prayer. Uh, there, a lot has been happening in the world uh, in, in the recent weeks and uh, it would be great to have uh, a global focus uh, for, for this particular Sunday. Uh, so I'd like to invite you all to, to bow your heads and, and pray with me as, as we uh, speak to our Lord. Father God, uh, you are a great and powerful God. Uh, you created the, the heavens, uh, you created the earth, you created us um, uh, our most inner beings, you know our thoughts and uh, you have a plan for us and the world and, and the, the universe uh, and, and that, that's all in your timing Lord and uh, we know that um, the, the things that happen in this world are according to your will. Uh, so Lord we, we come before you and commit these things to you. Uh, Father God we pray in particular for uh, our brothers and sisters in, uh, in Syria um, our Christian brothers and sisters and, and uh, Syrians uh, as, uh, w- worldwide who are uh, scattered across the globe, uh, who are fleeing uh, their, their country. Uh, Lord, we, um, yeah, we just pray that uh, in this time of devastating war and uh, persecution that uh, you would put an end to this, uh, this uh, violence, that uh, you would help all parties involved uh, in Syria, the U.S., um, uh, and, and Russia, that, uh, that yeah, these, um, yes, this situation will uh, come under your hand um, and that your will will be worked out, uh, that, that justice will be served and uh, that you will provide comfort to the, those families who, um, yeah, who, who are uh, suffering and, and in pain. Uh, Lord, we, um, yeah, we, we pray for this nation where children huddle wherever they think they, they may be able to survive. Uh, we pray for the United Nations um, and, and that wherever your spirit is, um, that your spirit may bless someone to act and to, to end this war. Um, please show us the way we pray to peace. Uh, Father God, we also pray for uh, the United States. Um, uh, for the upcoming elections in November. Uh, it's difficult to know 
your plan for the world, uh, but we ask that as uh, the American people are exposed to uh, the, the discussions and the coverage surrounding uh, both presidential candidates, that you will guide them in making the choice that is for the good of their nation and the world according to your will. Uh, Father God, we also pray for uh, Hurricane Matthew, which continues to plough through the United States. Uh, we pray for those affected, uh, those who have lost their properties, uh, their possessions, for those who have been injured and those who have lost loved ones. Uh, we pray that you will comfort those who have suffered loss and that the rebuilding process will be an efficient and well-managed one. Uh, Lord, we also pray for China. Uh, we pray for our brothers and sisters uh, in, in, this, uh, in this country. Uh, as the Communist Party readies a nationwide crackdown on Christianity, uh, as tougher laws are enacted which uh, criminalise Christians if they don't pledge loyalty uh, to the state. Lord, we ask that you would give our brothers and sisters overseas boldness and strength and courage against this challenge and, and that their faith will not falter. We urgently pray for protection for the church and its leaders and its members and ask for your mercy from, from the new laws of this, this party. Uh, we also pray for the rising tensions in Southeast Asia, uh, particularly around the, the South China Sea. Uh, as China, the Philippines and Vietnam and the United States uh, operate in the region, we ask that you would allow progress to the ongoing negotiations and the territorial disputes that um, a mutual understanding would be reached by all parties involved. Uh, finally, Lord, we pray for those who are sick within our congregation. Uh, we pray for healing for those who have been suffering from uh, various illnesses, that uh, you would rest your healing hands upon them, that you would help us as a church family to show love and support to them. And uh, may we be reminded that while we are on this earth, our bodies are breaking and only temporary and that our true home is in heaven. These things we pray in your name. Amen. Uh, we'll now come together in a, another time of uh, worship through song. I'd like to invite you all to stand up as we sing our next song, uh, a, a, a good old hymn, I Surrender All. Please stand.
we'll now hear the message from Pastor John. Thank you, Seb. Next Sunday, Arun will be baptised. It's going to be exciting. I hope you'll be here and I hope you'll encourage him. This Thursday night at 7.30, the baptistry is getting a workout this week, uh, Ibrahim will be baptised. And you're most welcome to join us here for just a relatively informal but powerful time as, uh, as Ibrahim bears testimony to his faith in Jesus and then Arun on, on um, Sunday next week. And if you're interested in being baptised yourself, which if you're a follower of Jesus you should be, uh, talk to me or talk to Johnny. I would love to see you testify to your faith in the waters of baptism. Now, I'm starting a series of talks on 1 Peter on Exiles Fit for Mission. We have prepared a series of studies to go with them for small groups or your own private devotions. Um, the first print run sold out in its first week. How good is that? A hundred booklets were distributed last week amongst the church. So we have done a second print run, a second edition with corrections uh, of another 40 copies of the Exiles Fit for Mission studies. They are in the foyer. Um, please take one. If you haven't got one, we would love you to work through this series with the studies um, just to emphasise the message that I think God brings us through this word of 1 Peter and this sense of what it does it mean to be an exile fit for mission. Let me pray as we come to look at the word of God in 1 Peter. Father, give us discerning minds, give us soft hearts and more than anything, Lord, by your spirit, obedient wills as we hear your word. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, on the 17th of October 1991, I don't know if you remember the day, the world changed forever. Well, at least Anna and my world changed forever. Our, our, our eldest daughter, Erin, our first child, was born. Uh, she wanted to come a week earlier. They put Anna on some drugs, which only lasted for a week. And it was early, in the middle of the night, she wakes me up and says, my waters are broken. And, oh my goodness me, off we drive to um, RPA, King George IV, I think. And early in the morning, Erin is born. And our lives change big time. And the rest of that day, it was like I was in a dream. It was kind of surreal. There's not many days in your life that are like that where you just sort of go into this space of floating because you know something big, say, I'm a father and as a mother and we've got a baby to look after. Like we knew it was coming. She's uh, five, six weeks early. She's small, she's tiny. They take her and they put her under the lights. But it didn't, the dream didn't stop. We were sort of floating. The world changed for us forever. But I tell you what, the world didn't change for us nearly as much as it changed for Erin. It really changed for her. She had the miracle of new life. The story I've just described, every person here who's a parent has been through that story. Nothing remarkable about our story, except for the fact that it's truly remarkable. The miracle of life. The miracle of new life. It just happens. You know it's happening. You know it's already started. But when you see your child born, particularly your first child, it's like, oh my goodness me. I cannot believe this. 
The world changes. And for Aaron, new life. Guess what? It's a life of trouble. It's been hard, man. Straight down under the lights, into the humility crib. She's a young baby. She's hard because she's small. It didn't stop being. It hasn't stopped being hard. I can promise you. Twenty-four years later, if you're a parent, you know what I'm talking about. It's hard for her because life can be difficult. But it's also good. The, the the danger we face is that we can forget about the joy and the wonder, because life is ordinary. The breath you take. Tomorrow, today is ordinary but every day is a miracle. Every day is a wonder. Just to think about what it takes for my body to keep functioning for the next five minutes, for the next one second, all incredible things going on from head to foot. It's just unbelievable. And not just that but we have consciousness and we have love and we have this spiritual reality that floats through us that we don't almost separate from our physical reality. Amazing. When someone is born, they start a journey, you hope for good things. You hope that they make their life count, that they have a reason for living. One of the ways we remember how special life is is we have birthdays. So every year, oh, it's your birthday, remember that it's wonderful that you've got new life, that you're special, you're unique. Ah, yesterday, you know yesterday whose birthday it was yesterday? You're going to put up your hand, Mark? No, he's not going to because he's right. It was Marky's birthday yesterday. I think we're going to have a cake a bit later, I'm hoping, for Mark's birthday. But it wasn't just Mark's. It was uh, Sadaf's birthday and Bronte's birthday and Ruby's birthday. So happy birthday for you guys. No one's birthday today. I'm clean. We had a, um, I had a baptism discussion on Thursday night with Aaron and, and Ibrahim. And the topic came up, I think Ibrahim brought it up, I can pick on Ibrahim. He brought it up, some people, particularly when he was in Russia, would celebrate the day they became a Christian or the day they were baptised like a second birthday. That's a bit weird, isn't it? Because, you know, like, do you celebrate the day you joined the RSL? Yeah, you know, three years ago I joined the RSL. Whoopee. Do you celebrate the day you joined the ALP? Every year I remember. Not many people do. Why celebrate joining God's church, becoming a Christian? Well, let me tell you, it is a big day. The day you put your faith in Jesus as your Lord and Saviour is a big day. In fact, it's a birthday. And it's worth celebrating. Because when you put your faith in Jesus, you have new life, new birth, a new father, a new family, a new home, a new citizenship, a new purpose and a new calling on your life. In fact, everything changes the day you begin to follow Jesus. The Lord Jesus appeared to Paul on the road to Damascus when he was converted. He says, I've got a mission for you, Paul. I'm going to send you to the Gentiles and to your own people that they might become believers in me. That This is the way Jesus says, that, you might, that their eyes might become open because before it's like they're dark, that they might go from darkness to light, from the power of Satan, the prince of evil, to the power of God Almighty and, and, and find forgiveness of sins 
and a place amongst those who are sanctified, a place amongst to stand amongst those who are clean and pure and holy, all says Jesus by putting their faith in me. This massive change from darkness to light when you put your faith in Jesus. It's a kingdom change from Satan to God. It is massive. We're looking at 1 Peter as Peter writes to suffering Christians in Turkey, what today we would call Turkey, Asia Minor. And Peter puts it like this, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Praise God in his great mercy because we don't deserve it. We're God's enemies, we're rebels, we're alienated, we reject God and we're outside in God's great mercy. He gives us new birth into a living hope. I love that phrase born into a living hope. You know, we were born into this world and there is things, there's a beautiful world we're born into and there's things to hope for, but at the end is the grave. Ashes to ashes, dust to dust. But God in his great mercy gives the believer new birth into a living hope and it's guaranteed by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead as we're united to him by faith. It's secure And it's motivating and energising and eternal. Here's how Peter writes about Christians in verse 2. You have been chosen according to the foreknowledge of God through the sanctifying or purifying work of the Spirit to be obedient to Jesus Christ and sprinkled with his blood. Grace and peace be yours in abundance. You've got all these benefits, this living hope. Everything changes when you become a believer in Jesus as your Lord. In fact, Jesus says in John chapter 3 to this religious expert, Nicodemus, he says, Very truly I tell you, you cannot see the kingdom of God unless you are born again. How How can someone be born when they are old? Nicodemus asked. Fair question. Surely they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born? Jesus answered, Very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the Spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh. Spirit gives birth to spirit. You should not be surprised at me saying you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases, you hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it's going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. You must be born again, says Jesus. Peter puts it this way. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. You see, let me tell you something. I praise God for his great mercy. I am a born-again Christian. I'm proud of it. And I hope that you could walk up to me and confidently say, yes, John, that's wonderful. I too am a born 
again Christian. It's not a phrase we use much these days. It was very popular in the 70s and 80s when I was younger for Christians to use that phrase. This is woman Evie with a little round face and blonde hair. Some of you might remember her if you're old like me. She's saying, born again, there's really been a change in me. Born again, just like Jesus said. Born again and all because of Calvary. I'm glad, so glad that I've been born again. Athletes would often say, yes, I'm a born again Christian. What they meant, particularly back in that time, was I want to make a distinction. I am not a cultural Christian. I am not a Presbyterian or an Anglican or a Baptist. It's not culture or history. I'm not a social Christian. When I fill out the census, I just don't say I'm Christian because that's what my family's always been. I want to tell you that God has done a spiritual work in my life and I am a new creation in Christ Jesus. I'm not just Presbyterian, man. I'm born again. Because there were lots and lots of social Christians back in the 70s and 80s, perhaps less now, but still plenty today. As this phrase became popular, born again Christian, so it became pejorative, almost an accusation, an insult. And the media began to mock born-again Christians. Oh, you're a born-again, are you? Uh, Ned Flanders is almost a classic example of the mocking of a so-called born-again Christian. It began to have a negative spin, this phrase, to be a born-again Christian. And perhaps it suggested some level of self-righteousness. To call yourself a born-again Christian, that you're maybe somehow better than other people. And that's never good. Or maybe you're just a plain silly Christian. There's plenty of silly Christians, I think. I'm one of them. But it's almost like, do you really believe in that spiritual change? That you're born again? So I think it is today very few Christians identify themselves as born again Christians. You don't hear the Christian athletes say, I'm born again. And I get it because it does have a pejorative sense. But let me say this, to be called a born-again Christian is to use Bible language. It's what we've just looked at. Every Christian is a born-again Christian, every believer. And there is nothing wrong with the label and we need to be careful that we don't let the world squeeze us into their mould. But, but, but you might suggest... but but you but, doesn't it suggest, to use that phrase, that you are something special and you have something special that other people don't have? Yes, it does. Doesn't it suggest that there's been a spiritual change, an otherworldly change in your life that others don't enjoy? Y- yes, the phrase suggests that. Doesn't it suggest that you've been somehow cleansed by God and accepted as his child, that you're in his family, when others are outside? Yes, the phrase suggests that. Doesn't it suggest that you're distinct and set apart and you have an eternal hope? Yes, the phrase suggests that. And in fact, it suggests that you've been chosen according to the foreknowledge of God through the sanctifying work of the Holy Spirit to be obedient to Jesus Christ and sprinkled by his blood that you have 
by God's great mercy, been given new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus. It suggests all those things and all those things are wonderful beyond measure to be a born-again Christian. But, 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 but doesn't that produce self-righteousness? That somehow you're better? Well, let me ask. You've all been born. Does that make you self-righteous? Did you deserve to be born because you're better than other people? It's all God's work. We are God's enemies. In his great mercy, he gives us new birth. And it's through the cleansing of Jesus' blood that was spilt for us so that we can be forgiven. It was through the power of his resurrection that God brought about. If you're born again, you have nothing to boast in except Jesus Christ. And God the Father who by his Spirit gives you new birth. A spiritual new birth. So that's it. Born again Christian. All glory to God. And I wonder if our society's reaction against that phrase is actually a reaction against God and spiritual realities and a challenge of alienation and sin. But I don't like hearing that. I don't like hearing that God's done a work, that I'm not in God's kingdom. The best symbol of new birth is baptism. Come next week, come on Thursday night and you'll see it acted out. Two people say, I have died with Christ and I come up through the water into new life to follow Jesus. It's radical. It's the whole of the body because it's the whole of the life. It's a whole fresh new start. If you haven't been baptised, get baptised. If you have been born again, get baptised. Own the symbol. Talk to me later. So it's a great thing to be born again, but here's how Peter describes it. Peter writes, uh, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to God's elect, hallelujah, exiles. Harder to say hallelujah now. Scattered throughout the provinces of Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia and Bithynia. That picture that Seb put up of the Syrian refugees, exiles. People who don't fit. People who are strangers. People who are aliens. People who are not at home. In a world where people don't like those who say they're born again, or at least what that phrase suggests, that we're different, actually that we don't belong, that we have a new Lord, like Christians in China are being asked to first submit to the state. No, no, I've got a new Lord and a new master and a new home and new commitments. I've been born again. I'm in exile in China. I'm in exile in Australia, where I live, where I work. People of God are often called exiles or live as exiles. In Hebrews chapter 11, we have the chapter of faith which is kind of a chapter of exiles. 
And the writer refers to Enoch and Noah and Abraham and his wife Sarah, all of these people who weren't home but they'd had God's promises and they were living in the light of God's promises and pressing on in faith. And then he writes this, All these people were still living by faith when they died. They did not receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance, admitting that they were foreigners and strangers on the earth. People who say such things so that they are looking for a country of their own. If they had been thinking of the country they had left, they would have had opportunity to return there. Instead, they were longing for a better country, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. Exiles, living by God's promises. That is us, the born-agains. Foreigners in this world who look forward by faith to an eternal city, a home. I want you to understand where we are. I'm going to use this sort of space to help you understand where we are. As believers, when we come to faith in Jesus, we are born again. Whoop! Hey, new life. New life. Set out before us. Heading for our eternal city. Heading for the country God has promised us. Our eternal home. His eternal kingdom. In the meanwhile, born again into new life, we are in this world. We're not home yet. We're heading there. We have the promise of God. We've got the resurrection of Jesus. We've got a living hope. God's given us new birth. And we're travelling and as we travel, we don't quite fit in this world. We've left the past world where we used to live, when we were born again. And in this world, there's troubles and there's trials and there's opposition. And it's difficult. But we have the promise and we live by faith as we head to our eternal home. Peter puts it like this. Verse 3, he says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ in his great mercy. He's given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. We live by faith here, heading for our inheritance, having been born again. Exile is difficult. Exile involves suffering. Exile means you don't quite belong. How do we live out between the new how do we live between this new birth and between going home? Well, here's what Peter says. In all of this, you greatly rejoice. In all of this, you greatly rejoice. I'm going home. I've been born again. I'm a child of God. I've been forgiven. 
though now for a little while you may have to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith, which is of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may result in praise and glory and honour when Jesus Christ is revealed. See, on the way there are obstacles. There's struggles, there's trials, but these are testing and proving our faith, maturing us on the journey home. We have this confidence. And though you have not seen him, that is Jesus, you love him. And though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy for you are receiving the end result of your faith which is the salvation of your souls as we do this journey in our exile. Heading home with joy, glorifying God, persevering through the trials. It is not a time to sit on our backside. It's not a time to warm a seat in church. We're on a journey to glorify God, to persevere through the trials with joy and a living hope as we grow in love for our Saviour. So what is our mission? Well, here's what our mission it is. Our mission is to be God's elect who have been chosen according to the foreknowledge of God through the sanctifying work of his spirit, to be obedient to Jesus Christ and sprinkled with his blood. Grace and peace be ours in abundance. That is our mission. Which you may not think, well, I think that's a great mission statement. But it may seem a bit general. Let me tell you, that mission will look different for each one of us because we're each have different personalities, different gifts. We're born at different times with different opportunities. But the overall mission doesn't change. Obedience to Jesus Christ, living with joy. Have you, heard, you know the story of the frog prince? This is beautiful princess and she goes out and she finds a frog next to a pond, an ugly frog, but suddenly the frog talks to her. And over time, she spends more time talking to this frog and actually a friendship develops. Slimy, horrible creature though he is. And, and then one day she picks up the frog and they're chatting away and, they're having such a, and she accidentally kisses the frog out of affection. And the frog suddenly transforms and there behold her is a handsome, charming, let's call him a prince. The frog prince. It's a miracle. It's a radical transformation. He was a frog, now he is a prince. What is his mission with this new birth, this new start he has? Well, his mission is to marry the princess. Uh, just hold on a second here. Who says your mission is to marry the princess? I've got some suggestions. Why don't you start by living as a prince should? 
to begin with. No more sticking out your tongue and eating flies. Give it up. No more croaking in the middle of the night. No more hopping on lily pads. You are a prince. You have to be chivalrous. You have to be dashing and groomed and handsome and charming. Your mission, dear sir, is to be a prince. And if you can get that mission right, mister, you just never know about marrying the princess. It just might happen. But don't think you're going to marry the princess unless you stop croaking and eating flies. What is our mission, who have been, those of us who have been born again? We are concerned about going to Africa or Thailand, about becoming a pastor or a lawyer or a teacher. And they're good missions. But I want to say, why do I well, just hold it a second? What have you been reborn to be? You're a child of God. Your mission is to be a child of God. To live it out. And do that and you just never know. All those big questions that you come with at the start, they might just fall in place as your life and God's purposes work, work themselves out if you will just focus on being God's child. Feeding on his word rather than your own appetites. Serving others in love. Pursuing righteousness and justice. And humility instead of self-aggrandizement. Live for his kingdom. Be joyful in hardship. Persevere through the trials with a living hope and with joy, remembering that you're going home and that your security is assured by the resurrection of Jesus, your Saviour. And grow in your love for him, even though you haven't seen him and you still don't see him now. Do that. And all the rest of the stuff you worry about in your, as your big mission might just fall into place because I tell you what, if you just go straight to your big mission and you're still eating flies, it ain't going to be pretty for anybody. Stop eating flies. And don't do it alone, do it in community. Community like this one perhaps, a family of exiles that love God's word, that seeks to listen to and obey God's word and declare his praises amongst the nations. You just see when you do those sort of things what God might do in your life. Everything changes at birth, doesn't it? And it's glorious. And it should be a bit surreal because it's such a radical new start. It's hard to get your head around. If you've been born again, if you haven't been born again, put your faith in Jesus because you're dead without him. Ashes to ashes, dust to dust. The wrath of God for your sin. If you have been born again, 
Don't lose the wonder of the life you have. When the weight of the world and this journey as an exile seems to be getting too much for you, fix your eyes on Jesus, the ultimate perfecter of your faith, who's gone before you. And press on with joy because that's what we're called to do. That's one of our greatest parts of our mission is to be joyful in trial because that's un- unavoidably powerful. And live by faith and be proud to know and even to say that I've been born again. I'm glad, so glad that I've been born again. Let me pray. Father God, we thank you for your promise. We thank you for Jesus, for his resurrection. We thank you for the faith we can put in him and be forgiven and raised in him. And we pray, Father, you'd help us to be who we are, that we would be your children and shine with your light as your children in this world. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen.